being a banker for 21 years almost. That's okay. It's, it's going to fuel you. Um, it's still, I think, fueling me to this day. Somebody does a little bit more, should be waiting a long time. So people are just going to have to roll up their sleeves. Try to make sense of it because there's so much information coming in and you don't know what's, what's relevant and what's not. The corporate world, uh, for four years as a CEO, I'm not interested in having this small probability of losing a whole lot of money. You need to be surrounded by other smart people. Got me through the door because it's a pretty small group. And it's fine, 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 Hello everyone, this is your host, Maura Maya. Welcome to another episode of the Finance Podcast, where I explore the professional journey of individuals who have successfully built careers in the financial industry. This episode is particularly interesting as we will be talking about COVID-19 and its effect on markets and how this will all play out. My guest this week is James McKenna. James is a Managing Director and Head of the Canadian Communications, Media and Technology Group within RBC's Investment Banking Group. He has 20 years of capital markets experience primarily focused on M&A, equity and debt financing for technology, media and communications companies. He has led a number of transactions for some of the largest companies in Canada including BCE, Tullus, Chorus, Cineplex, and Sierra Wireless. Prior to joining RBC, James was a senior associate within Bell Canada's International Corporate Finance Group. James holds an economics degree from McGill University and an MBA from the John Molson School of Business. So please enjoy my conversation with James McKenna. Hi James, thank you for being on the platform here today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. Great. So something we, I like to do before we get into understanding your day-to-day role as Managing Director for the Global Investment Banking at RBC Capital Markets is to ask, how does your story begin? How does it all start? Uh, great question, because uh, I get that a lot when, we, uh, when I used to run recruiting for, for the uh, Canadian Investment Bank. And, and really, it's, uh, I've been at the bank 20 years. Uh, this is this 20 years uh, coming up in a week or two, as I look at the calendar. Um, and I, I don't, you know, when I started out, I never thought I'd be here that long. But um, we can get into why I continue to, to like it. Uh, and so after undergrad at McGill in economics, and then I got an MBA with almost no work experience. So, and the um, undergrad I did at was in economics, which is, as you know, at McGill, very theoretical. And yeah. I realized I don't have a lot of practical skills that were immediately applicable to what I wanted to do, and I wasn't really sure what that was. I ended up um, working at Bell Canada in their M&A team and then their international investing team. So I got a early exposure to working on the client side and worked with a lot of different investment banks and realized in the course of that that I learned more about what the career actually was and what people actually did. And I thought it's something that seemed really interesting and something I could do. And, um, you know, these things often you get lucky breaks in life and turned out the guys at RBC in the Montreal office needed a new associate and um, I fit the bill. So I joined them, started at RBC in Montreal for a couple of years and then got transferred to Toronto and have been here ever since. (laughs) Interesting. So continuing with that, I want to ask, what drew you to the world of finance initially? Um, or economics? So I, yeah, I have to say, honestly, it probably was um, second year at McGill. I uh, had a second year or, or with a course, course called Industrial Organization uh, Policy. And it was like mm-hmm. a, it was a year long course then. That's going back quite a while. I think 
Professor Christopher Green taught it. Not sure if he's still a prof at the university, but it was a fast. Yeah, I think now it's a half a year course. I think it's only just once a month. Yeah, I heard it split, but it was a a full year course, which meant that you uh, ended up doing a lot more work in the second half because you made up for for not being (laughs) super focused. But it was a fascinating course on, you know, how industries are structured, uh, you know, concentration, market share, and how... and I just, it was a very new thing for me. I never really thought about that. And I found it very interesting. And as I did more, you know, curiosity gets you to read more and, and understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And I realized it involved mergers and, and it just became a very interesting area that I thought oh, I'd want to learn more about. Yeah. I, honestly, I, I, it's that course that probably yes, my interest. Actually, I'm taking that course next semester. So I'll definitely okay. look into that. I mean, honestly, that course, and then up until about, uh, probably two years ago, you know, in the course is a term Herfindahl index, which is like a measure of concentration in a market for a number of firms. You hear it in that course, you never hear it again. I heard it like three years ago, used in, in looking at an antitrust case and could a merger happen and someone referenced that and I'm like, I actually learned what that was. <laughs> so honestly, it would say be that course that got my interest up. Oh, wow. Wow. Fascinating. And now just changing a little bit uh, the topic, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered and how did you overcome them now already deep into your career? Um, so, so I think the biggest challenge is one of them is um, work-life balance. Like it's hard, right? When you start out um, and, and trying to, it, it's almost also managing deals so when you start out early on i mean even now you've got multiple things on the go and learning how to do that like you think you're a good uh, multitasker when you're at school um and you know you can push things off and cram and stuff and you you really develop much better time management skills in this job and at the start it's really hard Mm because you know everyone you're working with is smart and you think you can handle stuff and sometimes the workload is really intense and you don't want to keep working all-nighters. So I think early on you learn time management and you really learn it from watching people around you and you learn it from trial and error. And it, it, it makes a huge difference and it helps you in a lot of facets of your life. And I know people tell you that in school, you do better time management. Mm-hmm. I really didn't pay attention and it, <laughs> it, it really is helpful, honestly. That was, I think, that challenge. And the other one is... is um, in, in the, you know, in this business, you meet a company, you learn about a sector and you have to become almost, um, an expert is the wrong term, but very knowledgeable, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it's, how do you get that skill? How do you get up to speed quickly about, you know, um, a, a business that you didn't know about before so that when you're pitching for business, you can come across as someone who they can hire. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that is, uh, also a skill being able to quickly understand key facets of a business, the industry, and drive to the crux of the issue and, and, and be able to address it in the pitch. And that's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, I think that's a lot. That's great advice. And I think a lot of uh, the audience that I have is trying to go for these jobs. You know, they're high paced, very, very demanding. And some of my peers are actually already starting their internships this, this summer. And they're saying, you know, that the whole time management thing and, you know, going to finishing work at 1 a.m. then having to wake up at 7 a.m. in the morning for the next day, it, it, it takes a toll on uh so i think it does (laughs) continuing with this what are some of the most important decisions you've made throughout your career um it's a good i saw your question on me sent the list over i think it's a really interesting one i i would say um 
you know, I've been lucky, I think, uh, and uh, at been given opportunities and taking those opportunities when they present themselves. Um, so early on being offered a job to, to switch from the Bell M&A team to this international investing team, which I knew nothing about, ended up being a company called Bell Can International. And I, it allowed me to travel all over the world at an early age and work on pretty interesting projects. Learned a ton, knew nothing what I was going into. So taking some chances sometimes, they can really pay off. Um, but more importantly, the people you end up working with. Because the network you build, the people you work with, help you throughout all parts of your business career. So, you know, I, I was able to work with some really interesting people who are mentors today early on in my career. And I think aligning yourself with good people who look out for you and support you is very helpful as you develop your career. And I think those are the biggest things I, I'm thankful for. Yeah, I think that is key to surround yourself with people that you look up to and that you can learn from a lot. And, and, and they'll help you. Like the mm -hmm. people, I mean, it's, it's one thing to look up to someone, but it's, you find, find people who are there, will invest the time and, you know, they get something from helping you, right? So that's why it's a bit of a two-way street. I see that now when people approach me. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely having people along the way as mentors is really helpful. No, you're correct when you said that even that now that you help uh, younger, younger uh, individuals trying to do their career. I've actually had another guest that said, you know, people want to help and people like to oh, help. Oh yeah. 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 I yeah. got lucky break. So I felt that I should pay yeah. back or pay it forward. Everyone of the term, yeah, um, exactly. help people asking. out. Right. It, yeah. yeah. It's hard. Mm -hmm. So I want to change questions a little bit and go into a different direction, uh, more about market questions with everything that's going on, you know, with COVID and we know we've been seeing this word thrown around or precedent at times, which it really is. And my question is kind of vague, this first one, but what is currently driving markets? Because we're seeing this tech rally, and I know that you work with tech, and it's, it's really what is moving the gains of the market. So if maybe if you could elaborate and explain kind of why this is happening the way it is. I think there's a couple of factors driving the market. Um, one, um, the amount of money in the system. So the amount of liquidity that the uh, federal governments have put into the system has definitely helped drive. So the stimulus that you're seeing is definitely helping uh, drive um, the markets. Um, there's in part of it, if you look at it, uh, look at it, the returns you can get in the equity markets are, are even on a yield basis are way better than you're going to get on a, a fixed income instrument. So it's driving flow of funds into the market. That's one. So there's, there's confidence that the government's there to keep stimulating, so people will keep going into the market. That's one. Two, I think you're seeing a, quite a, a differentiator of the winners and losers in what COVID is doing to certain businesses. And definitely there are tech businesses that are, that are reaping the benefits of this, right? And you're seeing that with the, with the with, look at NASDAQ. It's up at all-time highs, and that's really driven by a basket, you know, the fangs, which is mm -hmm. the Facebook, the Amazon, Netflix, and Google's. Uh, that are really capitalizing on this and whether it's consuming content over bandwidth that we all do since we're all stuck in our homes or it's using a lot more of these online, you know, mm -hmm. video chats. It's just a lot of things that are changing people's behaviors, online shopping. So I think you're seeing that and people are saying, Oh, how can I capitalize on that? And they're flowing money into these you know, tech companies that I, frankly, I think there's a bit of overvaluation going on. There's a little bit of too much optimism because you're going to have to see the second quarter results come out and it's going to be, they're going to be ugly, but we seem to be on track for like a V-shaped recovery so far. That's what the market's betting on. So actually I have two questions with uh, following up on what you, uh, things that you've mentioned and 
uh, before I go into the whole V-shaped recovery that you mentioned and the bounce and the optimism, I want to ask, has the easy money been made? Can we expect lower returns going forward? Uh, so I think there probably has been a round of easy money, to use that term, made. Um, Although it'll depend on see and how people rebound through Q2. So there may be some other moves. I actually think it's almost as if the market has started looking past COVID and they're looking forward and they're valuing things off of next year, sort of a return to you know, some form of normalcy. I think the bigger risk to the markets, frankly, in the next little while is going to be the U.S. elections mm-hmm. and the volatility that's going to come back into the market around U.S. elections. And, you know, there's polls change. They don't seem to change that much. They all seem to point to... <laughs> a change of government, um, but one is going to come in with more taxation. So that's got a lot of people worried. And what does that do? Do you start spending things now? To So the volatility is going to come back in the market as we get closer to the U.S. election. It's going to have an impact on uh, share prices. And we're going to see some, you know, some return, not not testing the lows we saw at the, in mm-hmm. the, the doldrums March. of March, but we're going to, the increased volatility that's going to come in is definitely going to make it harder to make, um, uh, you know, steady returns, mm-hmm. put it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, so that actually covers my question on on talking about uh, about uh, talking about markets being pretty elevated right now, and if that there's a bounce and it looks like it's going to be a V-shaped recovery. And again, with that, should we keep this optimism that we see in the markets? Is it warranted? I, I do think there's a sense of uh, fully valued uh, stock mm-hmm. prices right now. Or you know, I mean, there are ones that are, are certain companies that trade even higher than they maybe should on a more normal basis. So. There's fully valued markets, but I, I do think there's a there is a level of optimism in the market. You know, early green shoot indications is that you've seen a quick rebound. Mm-hmm. You know, there I was listening to our U.S. economist uh, has a podcast that he puts out every week, and there at the start of this week, he was talking about in the last month that forty percent of the job losses in the U.S. have come back. Mm-hmm. So it was just a faster pace than anyone anticipated. So that is like, oh, is that is that a, a good signal that the V shapes returning? Um, and you're seeing consumer spending, retail spending increasing. So, uh, yeah, at the same time, the U.S. savings rate is for consumers is an all-time high. So people have been stocking money away. So that increased savings, it's close to 20% for household, which is unheard of for the U.S. Because, um, but but that saving is a cushion for people who if they don't have their job. But you're going to see continued stimulus from the U.S. and you know rebates given out to people who have lost their jobs, haven't gotten them back yet. All that gets to consumer spending. Um, I think we're in for a, a recovery. The question is, how does the market react to Q2 results? And how does the market react when they get closer to the U.S. election? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And my last question regarding kind of the situation, economic situation, with what you've said, a lot of voices on Wall Street have been talking about this yield curve control and what does that mean to you? Do you agree with this? And will we see it? Has quantitative easing been enough, this influx of just liquidity in markets? Well, I think of yield curve management uh, as more managing the long term. So, you know, when you come in and try to manage the short term yield, you can only do so much. And so the governments, the Fed, the US, and some extent Canada have come in and said, we're just going to buy, start buying and target a, a fixed rate for the, for the yield down the road, a longer term yield rate, right? Um, and, you know, will there be, I think we're gonna see that for, for a while longer because the view is having a very low interest rate will be a, in itself a stimulus to drive further investment, borrowing. So I think it's here for a while. I think you've got like yields are so low 
that you almost have to go into yield curve management to, to get to get further bang for your buck, if you will. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So that kind of closes our segment on market questions. And I want to go into more of a guidance question for um, individuals again for their career. My question is, what are some of the tools and or habits that you utilize on the daily to achieve the level of performance you need to excel in the field? Um, So I think another great question. Uh, Organizational skills, I think, uh, are very important. no day is the same. Frankly, you can make a plan and, and, you know, I like to plan things out and I'd look ahead and see what the week's going to be. But then, you know, an email comes in or a call comes in and you got to put everything you had planned to put aside, focus mm-hmm. on. For example, we were supposed to have this uh, call uh, podcast on Monday and yeah. I had to put it aside because one of my clients launched the deal, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that happens. Um, so I, I like to start today with making a list of things I have to get done. And it's like an immediate list of immediate tasks and you know midterm and what's going on so i try to plan that way so i find lists are very helpful um as i get older my memory isn't as strong as maybe it should be or there's too many things going on in my head but keeping lists i think is helpful and then you knock things off and then at the same time now that in the role i have i manage a team knowing what other people are doing so you have projects and you have deliverables and you know when things are due and what you need to get who's going to do what so having that all tracked whether it's electronically or on paper just that I find is helpful to, to know what's going on. Um, and really, I also spend the morning trying to understand what's going on in the markets overnight mm-hmm. or what's going to happen that day, what clients are doing. Because then you know what might change your plan, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so continuing with this, I want to know, what is the best advice you can give someone starting university? Starting university? Yeah, okay. starting university. Um, so... Um, well, I'd say study as many different subjects as you can, because I think, um, you know, I am biased, but I came out with a Bachelor of Arts in economics. So my major is economics, but I did enough courses to almost have a major in history. Uh, and I took courses in computers. If you, the ability to take, learn uh, and take different topics makes you a more rounded person. Mm-hmm. So you're not just, you know, loading up on finance courses or loading up on accounting courses, but try to take a, a, a mix of things to get different perspectives, to get a different uh, uh, view on things. I think it helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a sense of what you want to do, but you don't have to have it figured out when you enter university, right? Yeah. No, that's when you learn. Some kids trying- do. I didn't. Some people yeah. do. I didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I've seen that. Some people just are, they go in there like it's investment banking from the beginning. Yeah. They just, they Which just is know great. It. We like people yeah. like that. But <laughs> you know, be open to other things. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to tweak the question a little bit and I'm going to ask okay. someone recently graduating uh, university and just starting their career at the beginning. What is the best advice that you can give someone who wants to, who really wants to be successful in whatever it is that they choose to do? So, so I asked uh, when I came out of school and I, I remember sitting with someone asking a very similar question and it was, a. Uh, um, he said one more, he said persistence. And I th- thought about it. I'm like, that was a really lame thing to say, <laughs> but sitting back, sitting in his shoes, I actually think it's, it is the right approach to take to things. Mm-hmm. Um, persistence in your goals and, and not giving up when you get setbacks. Cause there's the, even your, your tra- trajectory is not linear. It's going to have setbacks and drops and keeping that persistence for whatever it is you're pursuing your passion, your goals, whatever it is, short-term, long-term, 
I think that word actually is very helpful to keep in the back. And I still remember when you said that. I was like kind of puzzled. But uh, the more I go through things, I think is actually very helpful. Yeah. Um, Pardon, sorry. Because you might adore my clothes, but another one might open. Or timing is important, but you, you know, if you keep trying something, you're, you don't make it the first time. That second time you try it, that might be the right opportunity, right? No, I know. And actually, you've, you're, there's many, um, many of our guests on, 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 the, on the platform have really said that, that persistence is key because sometimes there's just not going to be motivation to continue. So you just have to be disciplined and yeah. persistent to keep on, keep on going, even if you don't want But I, I use that in my daily life when I, my job to pursue business from clients and I'm covering them and I'm chasing deals. If I don't, <laughs> you know, if I gave up after someone said no, I mean, I wouldn't have as long a career, right? You got to keep going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So thank you. And actually, I want to ask you, to what skill and or value do you attribute most of your success? Uh, persistence. Um, <laughs> hard work. Hard work. Hard like, work. honestly, I think mm -hmm. nothing is given to you, you know, you put opportunities and it's mm -hmm. taking a matter of taking those opportunities and just working real hard, right? And mm -hmm. I think... If you find yourself, you got to find yourself the right uh, culture um, mm -hmm. and that not every place is the right, the right culture where you feel confident that people are supporting you, that people have your back, but give you enough space to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so then you're given opportunities, but you know that you can, you can almost try and fail a little bit, but someone's always going to be getting your back that kind of place is where you're going to grow and, and flourish. And, and I think that's interesting because I know that also, I think hard work brings about these opportunities. Totally. Yeah. And, it's a very bit of a cliche, but I, yeah. I really do believe and that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think I actually had another guest on the show. You know, a lot of what you're saying is really interesting because it's, it's, I think it's very cliche and people repeat it often, but it's so important because uh, she said when she was here, I believe in luck, but I believe that you create your own luck with the hard work, which, which I think is really interesting because the harder you work, the more opportunities. Yeah. Is going and it's to. recognizing those opportunities and, and, and mm -hmm. saying, I don't know, I'm not sure, but it's taking sometimes taking advantage of them. Right. So my next question is, are there any resources, perhaps books to which you would direct someone because it had some sort of impact on you? Um, yeah. So there's, you know, so there are a bunch of books we can recommend and, um, I mean, some that are old, mm -hmm. uh, like me, um, but a, a book I've gone back and read a couple times, uh, Barbarians of the Gate, because uh, it's a, 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 a deep dive into the a deal, and it was at the time the largest LBO, and this is the take private of Argero Nabisco in a battle, and, it, and the authors who wrote it, Brian Burroughs, and I forget the other fellow's name, it's a fascinating book, and it, even though today, you know, it's, a, it's dated by like 20 or 30 years, it's still a fascinating insight into how something came together and the personalities behind it. And it gives you, a, it, it, I, I liked it. I think it's an interesting read. Um, other books about this business are probably a bit dated and, and don't apply as much or more for, you know, humor. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's, the, the thing about investment banking that I've found is you can do all the reading and so you understand the terminology and the language, but it's much like an apprenticeship until you sit down and actually work through a deal mm -hmm. and then another one and then a pitch. That's when you get... Um, the real learning. That's when it really begins. So um, that's why when we recruit, we look for people who don't necessarily have to have studied every finance course possible because like it, it is more about being a, a sponge and learning things and willing to do whatever needs to get done. And you get better at this job the more you do it. Mm -hmm.
Does that make any sense? No, it does. I think it does. You, know, you work, uh, you learn as you work and I think practice makes perfect. So, um, yeah. so now we're going to go into our closing remarks and I want to say, is there anything you'd like to suggest or mention as you wrap up any advice for our audience? Final words. So I would say, you know, consider investment banking as a career. Um, I mean, I've been after 20 years and same firm, which is maybe not uh, common, but I'd say the reason I still do this every day is I'm always learning. And it's a fascinating thing when you can come into work and meet a new company and learn about a new industry that you hadn't really thought of before and then understand it. But you just, if you have a general curiosity for things this is a neat place to be because your day is not always the same but you're going to learn a ton and it's going to keep you you know it's, that's what keeps me coming to work right it's like it's there's a stimulation there about understanding something new or or trying to figure a problem out like there's a lot of reasons why you, you come in and it's never really the same drudgery no, no. if that makes any sense no no yeah, so, i can imagine and yeah, new deals and yeah. so yeah, new deals. And if it's a new deal in the same industry, there's something different in the dynamics, different, the players are different, the management personalities are different. I would say that uh, as you get more senior in this uh, industry, you know, finance skills are while important in understanding financial accounting and markets, your marketing, your strategy, all those courses become much more important because at the end of the day, you're involved in helping a company when they've decided something, they're going to buy something, sell something, finance that thing. It's at a very important part in their juncture, their evolution, and you're there to help them. So knowing those sort of other skills, softer skills, if you will, are very helpful. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for the time. Yeah, thank I want to you. thank you for the insight you've provided. Absolutely fascinating conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with James McKenna. I really hope you guys enjoyed it and that you learned a thing or two. Definitely an interesting conversation in terms of markets and what has been going on with the current ongoing pandemic. Remember that this podcast is powered by the McGill Investment Club. As well, there's always new content coming up. Remember to stay tuned. We've got some great episodes coming up with very successful individuals in the industry of finance. Remember to stay tuned and stay safe.